Hello and welcome again to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast, SB Nation's Chelsea blog. We Ain't Got No History's official podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I'm follow- joined by my fellow co-host, uh, Ram. Ram, how are you doing? Yo, what's up? I'm doing well. <laughs> I mean, you have to do well after a win like that yesterday, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a good day to be American, and speaking of American... Our guest for today is someone that probably everyone knows who visits the Daily Hilario. Um, I don't think he needs further introduction, has Matt? <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. We've got Pulisic, Christian Pulisic. I just don't think you understand. He's from America. He's better than Zaha. We've got Christian Pulisic. What's up, boys? Pleasure to be on. Happy for having me. What an angelic voice. <laughs> my God. <laughs> That's me. You, 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 you officially have a, a far better voice than Broody Blue. Just just have to be saying this. It's just absolutely yeah. more epic. Now, um, now, wait, hold on. I need to step in here because I did not put him up to that. He said that of his own accord. I don't need any drama, okay? So I'll just clear that up straight away. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that that's the case. But you know, coming to the real, real important things today, and that is the game. Yesterday's game, we played against Burnley. We won. Initially, we fought in really emphatic fashion. They did pull two back. We will be, of course, addressing those two late goals we conceded. But I'm just going to start real simple here, lads. Initial thoughts after final whistle because that was an emphatic win what do you think go ahead ram this is your podcast go ahead <laughs> no I, normally the guest starts but you know yeah. we we we, we oh, would give oh, you oh, fair enough fair enough all right uh, i'll graciously take it um just initial thoughts after the match is just elation you know as a a euphoric performance and obviously the star of the show, the man of the match, Christian Pulisic. Uh, it was nice to see him pay immediate dividends with uh, after Frank's decision to start him. And against a, a, a tough physical Burnley, like you think of the Premier League, the tough physical nasty side of it, you know, Burnley epitomizes that. So it was nice to see him not only perform well, given the um you know just just how rough and rugged of a style that they play and sean dyche has them drilled and uh it was just a very encouraging team performance as well as an individual performance for Pulisic. definitely i i mean i think that was without doubt his best game for us up until now i mean he's had a few but that was just ridiculously good and he was clinical and, you know, initially when we signed him, personally, I was one of those that thought, will he be able to be clinical or will he replicate that goal scoring uh, stat that he did have during his time with Borussia Dortmund, uh, which wasn't that good over 100 games, only 10 goals or something like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that wasn't necessarily the best. But he started emphatically uh, with his first start after quite a few weeks I think of mere substitute appearances um that was brilliant what do we think Ram will he actually take over William's spot or even Hudson Adoy's what, what what can we expect there yeah I think I think it's inevitable um I think that he, he's just fulfilling the purpose that we had in mind when we bought him which was he would eventually become a mainstay on either wing and as as to which one i think it's pretty much up for debate because i i don't think that there especially when when we're talking about Pulisic and Hudson Odoi because this may not apply to William that they're not particularly married to either side of the pitch in particular so yeah. i i think Hudson Odoi can be Hudson Odoi has a good skill set for the right in fact, because we, we saw him play there last season, right? And 
he put in like we know he's probably going to be the best crossing attacker that we have and with someone like abraham in the box that's a pretty useful thing to have and pulisic can also play anywhere and yeah it's it's a, it's a pretty good problem to have right they they're both really fluid wingers and william will probably be the one to drop out eventually because he has been he's been good he's been pretty good in fact over the last five or six games but yeah he's I, i i can see his levels beginning to dip again and he's also not getting any younger so it's a, it's a good thing we have pulisic who's you know just ready to take a spot and i think hudson odoi is also just going to ascend from height to height so is it as i i said i said last week that our strongest front three has pulisic and hudson odoi starting together so yeah that's that's what i see as you know eventuality just nothing's going to stop it from happening mm yeah i mean i i would agree as well because you know apart from all the points that you have been making i don't actually think that we're going to get another player in in the summer i i mean let let's or in the winter let's say that we are able to buy players and we have been in for zaha apparently for quite a long time i just don't think that uh anyone even if someone comes in will would be displacing pulisic in the long run that might be a bold claim and as i said i'm not like someone who is a huge ardent advocate of christian pulisic you know as long as he performs great if he doesn't then can take place on the bench he that's just the way it is if you play on merit um yeah but you know i i, I would say that he's definitely done his confidence very well with that performance and um i don't know let, let's just talk about some individual performances apart of course him being the man of the match but there were also some other great performances ram actually mentioned the, was it the last one that was i think it was a two podcast ago with mateo kovacic holy yeah, moly he <laughs> turned two burnley players yesterday and i that gif is going around on twitter oh yeah, my was- god He was so good. He was so good. Or am I wrong? Oh, over and over. Uh Kovacic and Jorginho, they were everywhere doing everything the the complete engine of the team. Um but yeah, Kovacic is his he's so elusive. He's he's slippery, but at the same time he's strong as an ox. You know, you can't take the ball off him. And when he has room to, you know, be his dynamic self, it's when the team really shines. And Jorginho is i mean he's just a, a class player you, you can see if you just i i like to sometimes just watch him and watch just him and what he does and how he moves with him without the ball you know he he's the maestro that makes it go like and it, and he makes it look so simple and that's why i think people kind of underrate him because they don't understand exactly what he's doing and how effective it is to making everything flow and so top marks for the midfield overall both jorginho and kovacic Oh yeah. Definitely. I uh, I I think they also did have quite good ratings on you know the various platforms and George uh Jorginho of course I uh, I haven't actually seen a bad game of his this season. Nothing would remind me of uh that being the case but you know some people will disagree there. <laughs> anyway, um yeah, uh, Mateo Kovacic Ram you want yeah. you want to you want to start where you left off with those stats <laughs> yeah i know mean, we the 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 gif gif whatever i don't know how to pronounce it the, the thing that's doing the rounds on twitter where he just turns two players and makes his way up the pitch is exactly the kind of thing i was talking about where with, with progressive carries and he's doing that in even more advanced areas according to the statistics and i think it's just one of those things that crazily might pass us by because we're just very used to seeing him do that now but uh i must say that when you compare kovacic last season it was pretty criminal to keep him shackled the way morizio sari did i just i just cannot cannot get over how how restrained kovacic was and subsequently useless but yeah now now he's he's become the player we need against teams like burnley and newcastle and um yeah cardiff if they were in the premier league 
Um, but yeah, he was. Uh, the midfield access was surprisingly good for me yesterday because I didn't expect them to do as well as they did against the Burnley midfield, which is you know known to be pretty physical. But very rugged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we they, they did really well. I I think they they need to be given a lot, a lot of credit because we've we've all been slating Jorginho a bit for his ability to not be able oh, to screen yeah. screen the defense very well. But yeah, credit where it's due. They really rose to the challenge. But if um, it's 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 really it's a great problem to have. Everyone's playing well, and when when Conte is back, it's it's going to be a question of who drops out and. I, I I have half a mind for it to be Jorginho to drop out, but yeah, I I don't know. That's yeah, that's that's one hell of a problem for Lampard because it all is. of our all of our midfielders are class except except Ross Barkley, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I actually don't think he's a bad backup. I mean, he infuriates me so often, but for yeah. a squad player, if he's happy with that, keep him. Why not? Yeah. You know, he's an England international in the cup games, for example. I don't think he would do such a bad job there, but you know we we don't always want to play our main trio um, or well duo. It depends what system yeah. we're playing, but yeah. So speaking of that, yeah. um, I've seen people say it was a four-two-three yesterday. Did you guys think it was a four-two-three-one or four-two-three? Because I thought, I mean, every time I chose to look like really closely, it seemed like a four-two-three-one. In possession, for sure, because Jorginho and Kovacic were dropping back at like equal depth to receive the ball. Mm. That's what I know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think it was more. Just has is fine. You don't have to be so formal, Jimmy. Oh, um, Mr. Matt, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. Just has, just has, not Mr. Matt, please. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think definitely in possession, like Ram said, it looked four two three one, and. I, I got a little bit of 4-3-3 after they were pushing. Uh, Burnley were pushing in you know, the middle of the first half, but I felt like as Chelsea's influence uh, extended into the second half, I feel like you saw that, um, the 4-2-3-1 more so. But, I mean, it's fluid. You know, Mason Mount is making himself a nuisance all over the pitch in a good way, you know, a nuisance for the opposition. Mm. So it'll morph where he's on the left or he's more central. But... Definitely Kovacic and Jorginho dictating things from deep midfield. So, yeah, I would agree that it's 4-2-3-1. And just a quick uh, point. You made a good point about the contrast um, from, uh, in Kovacic from last season to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's a function of Kente being undroppable that Kovacic struggled because he was playing as the most offensive midfielder. Maybe not always the furthest forward, but, you know, the one tasked with combining with Hazard on the left side and things like that. So I feel, I actually felt he was more suited to Kante's position as the, the shuttler of the, the box-to-box of Sarri's yeah, midfielders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now with, you know, like you said, things not being so rigid and being put in a, a better spot for him to influence the game, tailored to his strengths, I feel like that's, you know, that's the big difference between what we see in Kovacic from this year the last year that's a very good point actually um also if if i may add um in morito sorry's system i mean if we compare that to hamshik you know hamshik was like the guy that made morito sorry sorry ball flow in uh, at napoli if you ask me i mean there are a lot of factors of course but marek hamshik's goal count that was just ridiculously high and the I can't stress how much emphasis is put on that LCM scoring goals. Kovacic just is not that kind of guy. And one has to say, you know, talk about uh, square pegs and round holes. It's, it, that just wasn't ever going to work. And I felt sorry for him. And I'm actually really, really happy for Mateo Kovacic that... At the start of the season, and I'll be completely honest here, I was one of them. If we're able to sign him for 30 mil or something, 30 mil euros, got to say, I was saying, yeah, okay, but anything above that, no. That would have been a huge, grave mistake. And of course, hindsight's a great thing, but still, it's just ridiculous how, how good he's evolved. And 
maybe that's Lampard's influence. You never know, you know. <laughs> it's, I, I would dare or hazard a guess, haha, that um, <laughs> he will have played a big part in Maurizio, sorry, lol. No, uh, in Mateo Kovacic being able to, um, you know, really thrive in the system he's playing. And one of the main things, and I'm sure you two will agree here, one of the main things which makes me feverishly uh, count the days until the next Chelsea game is just this vibe around the club. You know, every time we play, they're playing their hearts out. They're really giving their all, no matter if it's, you know, a, a youngster, but or even William, who... To be fair, I personally thought he didn't have such a good game yesterday. He scored a great goal and he improved in the course of the game. But the first like half an hour or something, he wasn't that good. Not his usual standard from the last few weeks. But still, you know, even he's really playing his heart out. And I, I, I generally just enjoy it every single second of it. Oh, yeah, you can definitely feel the, the positive vibes around the club. I mean, case in point, Tammy Abraham, he's... Everyone always talks about how excited he is, not just to work hard himself, but to see his teammates succeed. Case in point, when Michy scored the goal against Ajax, he was jumping up off the bench celebrating. You know, some more cynical observers will say, hey, that's your competition. Like, of course, you want the team to do well, but, you know, you don't want him to do too well because you want to keep your spot. But that's just, it, it's case in point of the positive vibe that's around the club, and it's infectious. And it's it's not everything, but it is something. It, it it's definitely a factor. Yeah. Um, what what would you agree with that, Ram? Yeah, I'm. I'm just um, not one to look into that kind of thing too much. I'm just gonna take it at face value and enjoy the vibe that's at the club right now. Yeah, I know it's not Bournemouth, mate, but you know you have to be more happy than that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a while since I actively looked forward to every single Chelsea game there was to watch. Mm. And yeah, it's just it's brilliant, isn't it? Like you, you have. I, I liked how Lampard chose to bring on Shiru yesterday instead of Batshuayi and. How he brought on Reese James. How he's just bringing on Reese James at every opportunity. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Like, that's that's uh, that's how you that's how you keep players happy, man. Like you give them minutes when you can. I mean, provided they're doing putting in the work and training and everything. But uh, at, at the end of the day, if if you're giving Reese James like 15 minutes at the end of every other game, that's how you're going to integrate him into the squad and. When, when was the last time we saw that with a young player at Chelsea? It was it was either like, I mean, yeah, when is that when does that even happen? I, I can just remember Ruben Loftus-Cheek getting like one one odd start here and there in the cup, or you know, get get played forty five minutes out of position and get hauled at halftime, some nonsense like that. Or or Nathaniel Chaloba under Conte was he he looked to be having that kind of thing where he was brought on for like. 10 minutes at the end of every other game, you know, Man City, all that. But that that that, that just dried up eventually. And it's, it's, it's good to just see that they, they, they're trying to keep everyone happy and they care about the pathway for young players into the first team. And the, by all accounts, all the senior heads are helping the younger ones. And yeah, you just, just love to see it, really. <laughs> Long may it continue. That's exactly. Yeah. It's, it's been a welcome change. And... Specifically about Reese James, I was saying before the match, before the lineup even was even out, I was I felt you ever you ever get that feeling you just want to see a certain player play, and just for no other reason than just maybe they haven't been in the team in a while, or you want to see what they can do in a yeah. certain situation. That's how I was feeling with Reese James. So it was nice to see him get on for, and it wasn't even just ten minutes. It was it seemed more like twenty minutes. If I'm not mistaken, he, he got a good chunk of playing time. Yeah, he got 20 and, minutes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, acquitted himself well, I must say. Well's yeah. nearly an understatement. He actually saved. Well, yeah, of course, the double block. That was that's yeah. that's top defending. That's that's Chelsea in a nutshell. Oh, no. Chelsea's soul right there is that, you know, John Terry epitomized it the 
the desire and willingness to literally give your body in those situations. Yeah. So it's nice to see. That, that uh, save, I always remember that save. Well, that actually wasn't in Chelsea colours, but when he played for England and John Terry was just a little bit above the ground and he just, well, not. Oh, yeah, just the diving, jumped the diving header stopped. Yeah, the diving header. No care in the world about what's going to happen to him. That is just pure Chelsea of old. And Reese James is one of those that actually, while being a bit more quiet and subtle uh, in his general manner, which is fine, you know, uh, not everyone has to be as uh, vocal as John Terry. Uh, on the pitch, you know, he just lets his his guns talk, so to speak. You know, he's he's really physical, and I absolutely adore Reece James. And if he continues to play as well as he has in, you know, during these limited uh, minutes that he has had, then I do believe he'll uh, succeed, says Aspilicueta, sooner rather than later. And yeah, but, you know, that's the... Well, not the end, but it's the end of the first half. We will be taking a short break and we'll be back in just a second. And now a message brought to you from We Ain't Got No History Enterprises. Is your hair looking slummy and dry and brittle? Well, you need PZ's hair gel. Just put it in and that sheen will be mean. PZ's hair gel brought to you by the good folks at We Ain't Got No History. Uh, that was just brilliant. <laughs> See what they make me do? They make me dance when I'm on here. Dance, monkey, dance! Oh, thank God. Uh, that, I, I'm sure David will very much appreciate that. Um, of course he all, to these. Of course he We all want... Yeah, yeah, and Graham does as well. Anyway, um, yeah, so, I mean, let's continue where, where we left off. Individual yeah. performances. Yeah. Fikao Tomori. Take oh, a yeah. bow. Mm. Take... About. I mean, what a tackle. I, I really thought, oh, God, this isn't going to go end well. And then he just pulls that out of his locker. That was ridiculous. The pace, the, the timing. Holy. Ugh, it's just ridiculous how good. The delicateness of the tackle as well, because that's always a hard position. Coming in from behind, it's... It's so easy to clip the the attacker, give away a penalty, but just so the technique as well, the pace to recover. He made a bit of a bit of a mess up on the he missed the header, but brilliant recovery and a lot harder than it looks. Of course, it's it's you can it's you know it's brilliant when you see it, but it's just uh, like like you find it's hard to find words for it. It was amazing. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually happened. A fair few times when he was, you know, donning the colors of Derby County, mm-hmm. because but that was, that was more like, see, this is kind of normal for Tomori to to make this really amazing recovery run, and then stop a striker in his tracks even if that's inside the penalty area, but that that's that's all well and good, right? And I love him for doing that. But what what got him into that situation in the first place is because he lost an aerial or he didn't. I mean, he exactly l- he lacks. Kind of bailed, he bailed he, out. Of it. Yeah, he so sometimes he lacks the awareness or the positional sense, and then he, he drags himself into the situation, and then he her, <laughs> performs these defensive acrobatics, which see it it doesn't happen as often as I might sound like I'm insinuating, but it it's a thing that we need to acknowledge about Tomori, I guess. Obviously, I mean, you know I love him. I don't need to say that. But, yeah, I just, I, I guess this is one one place where he needs to work, I guess. It's, it's, it's something that was pretty obvious since last season and the season before that. And it's been getting better, it definitely has. Like, I had, I had some worries about how he'd adapt to the Premier League because of this thing. But, yeah, he's if 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 he can keep bailing himself out like that, if and when such a thing happens, then yeah, I mean, no worries. He's he's just gonna get more mature with more game time and yeah, develop into develop into a really good centre back. And how, how cool is it that he's just he's just come out of the shadows and no no one really expected him to you know 
be our first or second choice center back and he is now and that's so cool and and it makes you think that maybe people who win our academy player of the year awards are pretty good so one one lukewarm loan to hull city doesn't make or break anything just just something to keep in mind he wasn't very good at brighton either if he that. was actually okay at brighton you know what he would actually tend to disagree and uh, i know quite a few brighton fans that will agree with that sentiment that he wasn't good really but yeah i i but you know that's fine it doesn't in matter what case. happened in the past you know it's all about the, the present and the future and the moment he's fantastic so yeah okay okay we can agree think, on that yeah i think one thing about tamori is he's so ridiculously composed and it's a bit of a double-edged sword for him sometimes because he makes these great plays and he knows that no matter what trouble he gets himself into he can always find a way out of it but on the other side of that coin how many cliches and phrases can i throw out um, he he makes those mistakes that Ron was talking about, you know, giving the ball away cheaply or, you know, being in a position that's not optimal for, you know, just making a safe play. But he's a very smart player. That's It's probably mostly inexperience, and he will learn and grow. And it's, it is amazing that he's been able to get the playing time that he has right off the bat. Um, and so it's it's a testament to you know obviously the players themselves first but now having so many people that have watched these kids and coached these kids growing up in positions of power at the club to make decisions on players and chelsea have had a lot of talent it's no surprise it's no you know no new thing for people but now it's being shown a pathway into the first team and you know the performances have shown that they have what it takes to make it and thrive at Chelsea. So it's great to see. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that is something that is in itself really so uplifting and, well, basically also a complete change of culture. Um, you know, normally this is kind of this transition. You know, when you look with Spurs, it, over quite a few years, they were already integrating youth and it happened gradually for different reasons than ours of course but um ours it was like this line that just abruptly okay it's over how we've been doing things up until now now completely different and that is i think something quite refreshing uh i i really didn't expect as you guys already said but that is just i think something that i hope the board and bramovich and whomever um, not saying that Bramage hasn't tried to integrate, you know, you know, emphasize that we have to integrate youth, but basically that those in the hierarchy quite at the top will see, okay, it actually works without us always investing heavy amounts and also investing in mediocrity when we come to quantity uh, for squad depth. Use the youth for squad depth or even as starters if they're good enough, and that's fine and then just more or less um reinforce yourself with players that are world-class quality like van dyke or kante you know um still best deal of the century <laughs> you ask me so I, I think this is a this is a great time to be a chelsea fan as you guys already said yeah yeah you can see the 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 transition happening and that's why I feel like it's pivotal for, not, not pivotal, that might be the wrong word, but I think it would be good for everyone to finish as high as possible. Now, that seems kind of an obvious statement, but what I mean is, say the team struggled and we're mid-table, 8th to 11th, you know, obviously that's not good enough, and obviously it's a bit of a situation with extenuating circumstances for this season, but you wonder if it would swing back the other way if they say oh well we tried we integrated all these players they can't do it and now you know it just goes back to the way it was so it's it's even more encouraging than encouraging if that's possible that Mm -hmm. they're doing so well now because it's it's really 
eye-opening for a lot of people. Of course, people like Ram have been advocating for players to be integrated for years, but I feel like uh, yeah. even even the most staunch... <laughs> Has you know, he? I, I didn't know this. I was, there. <laughs> I was there with you, buddy. But um, even the most staunch, you know, not anti-youth, but people who are skeptical are, are starting to see that these kids are the real deal, and it's, you know, on the pitch is the ultimate proving ground, you know. That's mm. so it's it's great. Yeah, really is. Um, just something that is on a tangent, I guess, is when when you're talking about the flow of the game itself, right? I thought that Burnley had us on the back foot for random spells in the game and. Mm-hmm. They actually created a few decent chances, albeit a couple of them coming from set pieces. Like they had, they had some nice final third entries and stuff like that. Just, just generally, they were they weren't going as direct as I expected they would. They were kind of playing out of the back because they also didn't have Chris Wood, right? So, yeah. yeah um, one thing is. Oh yeah, one thing. Oh yeah, one thing I absolutely cannot forget to mention is what a player Dwight McNeil is. He's like, oh, is he? <laughs> he's like right. 19 years old, I think, and he was he was just running past Chelsea players for fun. And if if you oh. cannot recognize that Dwight McNeil is a top Premier League player in the making, then you you should because. <laughs> No, I'm 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 not kidding here. It was no, they were I agree giving, with you. They were giving him the ball as much as they could on the left, and he was just running and running at at us, and just not phased. And that's really really uncommon to see for a young player in the Premier League playing for a team like Burnley. I thought that was really good, and yeah, just just pay attention to Dwight McNeil, even on the statistics. Like remember the progressive carries metric that I mentioned about Kovacic. Mm-hmm. McNeil is among the leaders for that when you're talking about wingers. So, yeah, that kid is going places. But yeah, that was that was just a random thing that I had to mention. Uh, what I actually was getting at was, uh, on the subject of metrics, Burnley's expected goals on various models, whether you have, like, from InfoGoal or just from Michael Cayley, the Burnley, Burnley were placed around 1.7, 1.8, and Chelsea were ranging from, you know, 0.85 to 1.1-ish. So, the, according to expected goals, the result should have been something like 2-1 Burnley or something. So, we were we were awfully clinical, which is true, isn't it? Because six mm. goals, except for the header, I mean, even the header was like, a, it was exceptional. Mm. Uh, his two goals were like, uh, how, how many times are those, those shots going in? One was deflected and one was it bypassed like three players and went right into the corner, like rifled right into the bottom left corner. And I mean, even Williams was, I mean, a pretty good finish, all things considered. So yeah. we, we didn't we didn't create like clear cut chances. We we made some decent entries into the final third, and we were like mad clinical with those. And we got we got done a bit by Burnley set pieces. And one one caveat is Burnley get a little more love from the XG model, because you remember that Ashley Barnes chance where he's like trying to do something physically impossible by scoring with a header, but he couldn't. Uh, And that's kind of rated as like 0.5 or something. So yeah, anyway, my point is this, this isn't something we should be worried about. Is it like we, this is just us being due a game like this, given that we've been underperforming expected goals all this while. Wait a minute. Before before we answer that, I'm not letting you get away with that McNeil uh, lauding without having to say that he was mostly run against Cesar Spilicueta in the yeah. first, uh, you know, that first 30 odd minutes where they were really causing us problems. And, you know, McNeil is a really pacey uh, young player. He's got loads of pace to burn. Of course, he's going to trouble Spilicueta. It's uh-huh. the same with, I think, of um, Montero against Ivanovic a few years oh, ago. Oh my. My, my point is, Cesar Puliqueta was, in course of the game, able to acclimatize to that and um, more or less close down the distance. 
You know, he, he did that very well, what Branislav Levanovic wasn't able to do back in the day. Point being, you know, I, I get why you'd say he, he's pretty good and he's definitely a talented player, but I wouldn't go as far as saying, you know, what you did. But that, not that that's something you, I know how much you love your new players. Mm, but yeah, let's just know. wait and see, okay? Because you yeah, said no, the same no. thing when I start, talked about James Madison as a young starlet oh, playing for yes. Notre City. Get him, that was a, get him, get him. That was such a lucky shot. Uh, oh, come on, no, 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 no. So I, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, okay, so, fine. yeah. <laughs> and um, I think every team in the Premier League is just really, really dangerous nowadays. You know, any team can beat any team, even though you say it's they just recently um, got promoted. Look at, you know, we're recording this while the games on Sunday have already been played. And um, Crystal Palace isn't a newly promoted side, of course, and they have been doing exceptionally well this season. But, you know, they have a tighter budget than most clubs have in the top six nevertheless they held Arsenal to a draw and they sh- the showing was fantastic you know in Nor- Norwich you know when they played against uh, United today they did lose but you know they've got a Timo Puki and they have got what was his name Aaron's right yeah Max Max Aaron's you know they've got some dangerous players as well so I think anyone can beat anyone you in Campbell and Lewis and Godfrey <laughs> And Buendia, we who we should sign to replace Willian and yeah. Ronaldo Hernandez. But, and am I am I missing anyone? Ram, Ram I've got you I'm to do sure. that, so, so I didn't miss it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, you know, it's just a very competitive league. It's only going to get more competitive, and yeah. such. You know, if we have a hard time against Burnley, no, no surprise there. You know, last year Wolves got promoted. They got immediately into the Europa League. I mean, they did have heavy investment, but still. I mean, isn't it so? Definitely. Can we talk about expected goals now? Well, yeah, to get back to... Legend has to do all of it. (laughs) I know. Uh, But like like Ram said, I think it's a function of us taking our chances. You know, there were shots from outside of the box, things that aren't going to necessarily score highly. So I don't think it's necessarily something to fret over. And I mean, the, the even Burnley's goal that they scored was from halfway into Chelsea's half, um, which I just, I have to call myself out on that real quick because when I first saw it, it looked like it was going into Rosette. It, and I, I even let out a preemptive way as I thought it was going to sail into the crowd. But no, you know, the, the footy god said, no, no, no. You know, Jero, we're we're, we're going to make him play. <laughs> that's so that, yeah, that was a, incredible strike but uh so like ram said it's it's not something to really delve too deep into or dissect too much i feel like chelsea would do a period of hot finishing if you will and uh but yeah i think it's it's a credit to burnley who you know up until the last five or so minutes you wouldn't think had a foothold in the game but they did pretty well and i feel like Ram, you said they tried to play out a little bit more. I feel like once they got to midfield, though, they got a little hoofball happy. And yeah, it's, makes... it's also uh, a defensive mechanic for them because if they knock the ball forward and Ashley Barnes wins the ball, that's great. But if he doesn't, they're all already back and set pretty close to where they want to be. And the defense is compact. And I feel like that's why... You know, players like Tammy Abraham struggled a little bit. He was a little isolated. Um, there, it wasn't as easy for the wingers to get the ball wide and deep into the, <clears throat> excuse me, into their end, and cross and do cutbacks that Tammy feasts on. So it was a lot of trying to pick the ball up in midfield off a mistake from Burnley and running at them, like we saw Pulisic do, over and over again. Yeah. Does that answer your question, Ram? <laughs> yeah, I kind of just reiterated what he said anyway. He's, he's yeah, got no, it, it does. Uh, there's also, I guess, game state to consider. I guess because when you're when you're leading, um, when you're consistently taking the lead in a game, then you're not you're not going to create as high quality chances as you would if 
the game were in a state of drawing or if you were losing or something like that. So yeah, game state is also always important to consider when you're looking at expected goals. So yeah, I mean, to, to conclude on that point, uh, uh, anyway, when you're looking at expected goals, it's just, it's not something to be viewed at in isolation. It's just, this was a little crazy because Burnley are usually the team that do this to other teams, right? They they have like low expected goals and they outperform it and they get results somehow. But we out Burnley at Burnley at expected goals. So that was fun. But it also probably isn't a cause for concern as has said and as I said as well. But yeah, basically Dwight McLean is just really good. Did you so you're saying we out Brexited the Brexit football team? Yeah. yeah. And and then and then I also said Dwight McNeil is really good. Of course. And speaking of him, just a quick point. I want to back Ram up on this because it's not just McNeil, although he is a star in the making. It, you're seeing a lot of the young players, young English, some not English, but that come up from the championship that are being signed to Premier League teams or coming up with their promoted teams like James Madison. Yeah. And he's just one example, but Cantwell, there's there's a bunch Daniel of Daniel James. Exactly, Daniel James and Chelsea's own boys, of course, that yeah. are coming up from the championship and thriving this year. And I feel like it's great to see. And it's what a league, right? Exactly. It's 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 showing that you know the Premier League can have young players play and play well, like the Bundesliga, like La Liga, if you know they put the time, they put the work in to develop these players and put them in a position to succeed. So I feel like that's been a revelation in terms of the whole Premier League. And including Chelsea as well this season. Amazing, my guy. Can we have you on like every week, please? Uh, they get bored. <laughs> I'd love it, but they get bored. I'm not sure they would, but you know that that's a very good assessment. Uh, kudos to you. Um, yeah, I, I think we can actually end the game segment on that one. I mean, we could still. Uh, address one one thing of interest and that would be what's going to happen with um marcus alonso you know down the roads because emerson is now back uh what 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 could happen there will will emerson come straight back into this team will will alonso keep his spot i I didn't think it was overly impressive yesterday graham would certainly uh, reject that sense but (laughs) I, i believe i believe he you know, he, he will probably get benched again. But before we actually do that, we're going to have one last quick break. Right. And we're back. And yeah, it was... See, I I didn't catch the game live. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that. I actually uh, put it on my television for recording and started watching when the actual game was like one hour through. And I started watching a nil-nil and I disabled notifications on Twitter and Footmob and Slack and like everything. But someone WhatsApped me saying, dude, we're leading 4-0 and that, that kind of just <laughs> spoiled everything. I but, hate that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was, I was so shocked to hear that we were leading 4-0 at Burnley. And then, yeah, I, I just, I didn't do anything after. I just kept watching the match and then, yeah, everything is cool. We're leading 4-0. Pulisic has scored a hat-trick, yay boohoo. And then, yeah, it's Jay Rodriguez comes out of nowhere and scores an absolute worldie. And then White oh, McNeil, my favorite player, scores another one. And it's just, <laughs> that that kind of took me by surprise and it kind of kept me thinking. It was a bit more than an afterthought, I guess, for me. So uh, I wasn't I wasn't too too impressed by that. So what, 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 what do you think about that? Has, like, do you think, that we have a bit of an issue with losing concentration or is it just a one-off and, you know, given the one freak nature of those two goals, it's not much to do about nothing. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle on those two things. I feel like it's not something to panic about or read too much into, but at the same time, you do have to take into account how young and relatively inexperienced the team is. So there are going to be those moments and I feel like at 4-0, 
that's kind of a time where you you understand, you know, the, the result is in hand, you need to play it out, be, you know, be mature in your performance. And I feel like it wasn't it wasn't gung ho, but I feel like Chelsea were still kind of pushing offensively and just when you know and Burnley's desperate, so they're obviously trying and it just kind of the concentration dipped and allowed them to obviously get the two goals and Kepa was having none of it. He was pretty upset with what was going on in front of him. So I don't think it's really something to panic about, but it's something to keep in mind, especially when you're subbing on younger players like Reese James or, you know, you have Tomori and go down the list of the, the younger, relatively inexperienced players. So I'm sure Frank will be on top of it, you know, making sure that everyone's on the same page and, you know, he, he even he hinted at it. He said he was 95 percent happy with with how the game went and all that. So I'm sure there'll be he'll be in their ears. And, you know, he's already making the adjustments, like you said, about the, the set piece defending. So it's yeah. it's all a constant. It's a constant improving and looking at things that are working, things that aren't working and try to put it all together. And let's not forget, we're still missing Emerson. Rudiger, yeah. Loftusik, Ngolo Kante. Like, this is just the tip of the iceberg for this team and their potential. And I feel like we'll really start to see them ticking in the second half of the season when we have, you know, you're never going to have a full, full squad, but the yeah. majority of the players back and healthy. It's it's kind of scary how good this team can be so soon after such, you know, reinvention of the whole Chelsea experience in the yeah. last couple of months. Exactly. It is, isn't it? And I like how you brought up Emerson there because, well, I mean, what? how do you think things are going to pan out for him? Because Alonso is playing pretty well right now. Or I mean, that's that's my opinion. I, I think Jimmy might disagree that he might want, I mean, he might want Emerson straight back into the side. But what do you think? I mean, I guess Alonso has probably surprised us all as to how well he's taken to the back four, uh, contrary to a lot of our apprehensions. So, do you think that Emerson is going to slot straight back in due to his attacking prowess and speed and agility and techers? <laughs> but, uh, not, or, yeah, not nece- not necessarily. I think um, it's going to be decided on some factors that don't have to do with Alonso or Emerson themselves. I feel like okay. there's how you know we've struggled with players coming back from injury, putting them in too soon, getting re-injured. And we have a decently favorable, you know, run for a little bit. I feel like there's, we can be patient with Emerson. So I'm not sure the extent of his injury or how fit he is. Obviously, he was back in training before. But I just think there's no rush. You know, things will work themselves out. It, it ebbs and flows. When you have players that are of such a similar caliber, there's going to be, you know, other factors that come into play, whether it's, you know, specific tactic tactics tailored to your opponent or just who's fresh and so i think it's i would probably pick emerson just just uh in a vacuum emerson over alonzo but when we have you know not so dangerous opponents coming up i feel like it's it's no rush to really get emerson back in the squad we have two pretty good quality you know players at that position that we can trust you know they're not yeah. everyone's cup of tea, but so I think it's no rush to put Emerson right back in. Fair enough. Um, Jimmy, we, it would be pretty remiss of us to not talk about Christian Pulisic for a few minutes because I mean, it, it really was about him, wasn't it? Perfect hat, perfect hat trick that too. I mean, uh, I don't think any of us could have even dreamt of this. To be fair, so. How how did you how, how did you like it? How how did you react when he just went and scored like three really good goals? Well, we have addressed him briefly. Yeah, kind of. But do it again. Um, <laughs> do it again. Um, but j- just before going to that, just one sentence on Emerson. Um, you know, I, I basically agree that you know one doesn't have to rush him back to action but for me I think there was actually a really good comment um, one of the post-match threads uh, I think 
past Ajax. Um, you know, Alonso is a good player and he has been doing good when going forward and in the box he's phenomenal and all that. But, you know, he's still someone that can be bypassed and get real burnt by um, opposing players. If McNeil had played on that left side or on the right of their side, that would have been a hell of a bigger problem than against Cesar's Piliquet, if you ask me. Um, so I think sooner rather than later, Emerson will take back that space. There's a reason why Lampard actually chose him to start in the first few weeks before he was injured and he was our best player statistically. So I am sure he will start once again. Anyway, no disrespect to Marcus Alonso. Christian Pulisic, um, you know, one thing that I already mentioned at the start and which really does make me very, very, very happy is the clinical nature of his goals. You know, he just took the shots okay, given the second goal was a bit fortunate. But nevertheless, you know, he took his chances. He used the space that he was given, you know, even as small as it was, fantastically. He drew in the defenders or the opposing players. And after some time, they were actually scared of touching him because they knew he would absolutely destroy them and would really punish them if they would try and go in there. His trickery, you know, his quick feet, it was just all evident uh, yesterday. And I think Lampard was really happy post-match. Everyone from the fan base was really happy post-match. He was happy post-match. And that's great to see him smile again after getting subbed against the uh, Canada for his national team. I hope that this will just be the start of a very, very bright Chelsea future for Christian Pulisic. Yeah, definitely. He um, he was so excited he, he left without the match ball. The ref had to flag him down and give it to him. He's and it, It's just, I think that's, that's he's such a, a down-to-earth kid, you mm. know, get your head down, work hard. He's he's someone who is easy to root for in that way. And, but yeah, you touched on it. The the clinical finishing is something that if and when he adds that to his game, it, he's going to jump up another level. Because as you mentioned before, he, he was never, you know, a prolific goal scorer at Dortmund. He's more of a, a playmaker, someone who draws the, the defenders and makes plays for other people off of that. You know, we've seen his chemistry with Michi across two different clubs now. But so that, him being able to drive at defenders and not dribble himself into those, um, you know, cul-de-sacs and areas where he'll lose the ball and, you know, continuing to make plays like that is just, it'll be the next step in his development. Doing that consistently, he's going to be a top, top player. And there's no question about it. Even jumping in with the header, he he said he only scored yeah. two two headers his whole career. And oh man, I I was jumping off the couch at that one. The backwards flick, oh, it was it was beautiful. And that ball from Mason Mount, who had a, a relatively quiet match, but came up in that moment, gets the ball right back to his feet, and just the top spin on that on that uh, delivery from him was fantastic. But what can you say? It's And it was obviously Christian Pulisic will get the plaudits, but it was a pretty much up until the, the end, obviously, a complete team performance. And if it's hard to pick out someone who didn't do well given the circumstances. And like I said before, credit to Burnley because they're a tough team to play against. And I feel like we handled them well in their own turf. And it's it's not an easy thing to do. Especially Ashley Barnes, who was once again such a dirty player. I really cannot oh, emphasize enough how much I hate Ashley Barnes. Ever since that tackle on Matic, I think he's a disgusting oh. player. And he, he was constantly trying his dirty antics. And if anyone touched him, he fell over. I thought he was he was absolutely atrocious yesterday. I just wanted to add that because of course. I get it off my chest because I absolutely hate him. And also, just to add in regard to Christian Pulisic, after he scored that first goal, that scream, what you saw, you know, in celebration, you really saw, oh my oh, God, yeah. that, that was just 
that really got me emotionally speaking. You know, that scream, you just, everyone empathized with him in that moment where you just saw he's got the monkey off his back. That was fantastic. Sorry, Ram. Oh, no. Uh, has, how, how, did it, how did it feel to watch your countrymen do that for the club that you've supported for so long? I mean, it's cool. It's really cool. I don't want to go overboard. Like, it's, I'm, I'm a Chelsea fan. It, it's obviously, it's a nice extra thing to have an American playing for the team and doing well. But I, I don't care if they're from Zimbabwe, they're from wherever. Like, as long as you're, you know, you're in the team, you're doing well, you're a good person. That's all that matters. But it was, it was nice, more so for the reaction and the love that I saw other people giving to him. Like, mm-hmm. for me personally, I was skeptical about him coming to Chelsea just given their tracker record of integrating young players and... And look of, at the scrutiny on him. Yeah, and, I, and, and there's always going to be that, you know, that little American bias or whatever. But uh, he's, he's definitely a lightning rod player sometimes with regard to his play, as we saw yesterday, or with regard to his profile. But he, I feel like the good thing about him is he blocks it all out and he's good at compartmentalizing things. You know, he's just out there living his dream, literally. Yeah. You know, we've seen the pictures of him when he was in, in, in England, you know, taking the Chelsea tour. Like, this is his dream. And yeah. I feel like he's, he's so focused and he's willing to work so hard and dedicate himself to it that the outside noise doesn't really affect him. But it is something that we have to deal with being in the, you know, the Chelsea online sphere. Mm-hmm. But he's so it was cool, and I was actually going about my day afterwards. I had my Chelsea top on, my Kurt Zuma fifteen sixteen. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Oh wow. Okay. I got him because he was. I feel like he was the only one of the only players that did well that season. But um, yeah, I, I liked. I liked oh, yeah, right. that. It was more so. I liked the shirt. The shirt was stylish. The team not so much. Yeah. yeah. But get. I was getting comments from people. You know, talking about the result and. Um, you know, I, a guy with a Juve shirt on, we were talking about it. Another guy, uh-huh. when I went to pick up some food, uh-huh. mentioned, hey, Chelsea, yeah, Pulisic, got a hat trick. So it's it's cool to see that. It's always nice to see that. It's a bit of like nice. a, a secret society. Yeah. It's like a secret society in the U.S. It's not always, <laughs> it's not as, but it's popular, but it's not as popular. So sometimes when you find those little interactions with people, it's, yeah, yeah. it's cool. It's cool to see. So yeah, above and beyond... You know, he's the performance was fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Brilliant. I think we've covered everything that we can cover without, you know, uh, overstaying our welcome on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, so uh, let's move on to talking about Hazmat since that's, that usually comes at the start of the podcast, but we were excited. So, Haz. We were very Tell excited. Us, yeah. Uh, now, now we're even more excited to learn about how you started supporting Chelsea and how you started visiting We and God No History, if you like. Well, I doubt that people are actually excited about that, but I will. I am. Will oblige and I will regale you. Um, <laughs> how I started supporting Chelsea. It's hard. I feel like everyone always has these great stories and very specific. Oh, my grandfather was from Hammersmith or. You know, I like the color blue. I played FIFA. I watched Balak in the World Cup, which is always a big one. Balak, I feel like, extended our reach greatly. So many people. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he actually did. Yeah. Really gravitated to him in particular, which I found funny. Or Drogba, of course. But I don't know. It was around early 2000s. And I played growing up. I still play. So I was always around people that were involved with it and invested in it. Um and I don't know, it's hard to really pinpoint one specific moment, but, you know, I fell in love with Gianfranco Zola and then Frank Lampard, and it just, it grew from there. It was, it was never like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick this team or whatever. Of course, it helps that they, you know, started doing really well around that time. But yeah, it was just, you know, something that naturally happened. It's like it's like describing to someone what water tastes like. It's like how did, <laughs> right. How did you find Chelsea? How did you become a fan of Chelsea? It's like it just happened. It's natural. But I uh, started going to the block and going along those lines. The 
the football fandom was always something that was very just a, a an experience just by myself you know, I obviously I had my teammates and stuff we talked about, but the coverage isn't what it is today. You know, you see kids walking around with football tops all the time, Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo and all the Premier League teams. It wasn't as, you know, far along yeah. back then. So it was it was a very singular experience for me. Uh-huh. And when I found the blog, it, like right after the, the Champions League win, which I almost jumped through the roof when we finally won after all those years of heartbreak. Of course. Uh, that's what really opened kind of the, the Chelsea world up to me. So it was it was a good find, I think. I think seven years now? Seven years? Yeah. Wow, sounds yeah, like yeah. a long time when you say it. Like, think about it proper like that. Old, proper old-timer. Yeah. So basically you're a plastic. I mean, if that's what you want to boil it down to. <laughs> Mate, I'm just kidding, of course. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, please. Um, no, no I, I think, yeah, I'm sure you will. No, um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I just like hearing these origin stories. You know, I, it doesn't matter how one got to supporting Chelsea. It's all about this big family where, you know, you, you meet someone. I don't even care where he's, uh, what, what he's saying or where he's from or whatever. It's all about, you know, he's a Chelsea man. I immediately there's a connection have this connection yeah, yeah where you speak with him you joke around you feel just this just nearer it's, mm-hmm. it might sound weird and I think anyone that isn't affiliated with football um, might not actually understand that and I think you know I, I'm not a huge fan of American football to be honest not at all but you know I'm sure it's the same there and with any other uh, sport that is played. So I feel like huh? it's a it's a step up because I feel like especially obviously in England as you know it's it's a in other places but it's like a, a part of who you are and your identity. Like people look at you differently like you were saying in a positive way you relate and you have that innate connection with other Chelsea people. But if you're from North London you you'll get dirty looks walking down the street you know in your Chelsea kit or whatever. So I feel like it's it's a step up from just general sports fandom. I find that hockey, hockey, I feel like is the closest thing that I find to that level of, to use a phrase or use a word tribalism, like that just, mm. that that part of your your soul, you know what I mean? Not to get all poetic on you guys. No, no, definitely. I absolutely understand that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Oh, we we do have a game coming up, don't we? <laughs> we do, yeah. Do we want to discuss that briefly? Yeah, let's do it. Skip predictions and and has Matt? Oh, sorry, Mr. Matt will be able to give us a a lineup prediction. Okay, well, our next what? match is against Manchester United in the uh, Carabao <laughs> Cup, also known as the. Capital One Cup, the Carling Cup, the Football League Cup. Um, the Fruit Cup Cup. Yeah. The Pins Cup. Cup. Yeah, that thing. So, yeah, uh, has just, I mean, we don't have too much time, but do you want to drop us a lineup prediction and then a scoreline one as well? A whole lineup? Wow, you guys really put them on the spot. So, first, yep. let me give a score. We're going. Actually, no. Let me do lineup first. So, yeah, Caballero. Mm, let's put Emerson back in. Give Emerson a start. See how he does. Yep, Jimmy's loving that. Mm-hmm. Let's go for. See, I don't know who's healthy of the center back, so I have to imagine that one of Tamori or Zuma is going to be in there. So let's say Zuma and Christensen. Hopefully, he continues to put Zuma on the right because when they were together before, he put Zuma on the left. So, so Zuma and Christensen, Reese James at right back. Let's go for Mateo Kovacic, Billy Gilmore, Mason Mount in midfield, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Christian Pulisic, and one of Giroud or Betchway. Let's go for, actually, no, now that I think about it, I don't think he'll do that. Hudson-Odoi. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. wait, hold on, hold on. 
Pulisic on one flank, Willian on the other, and Tammy Abraham up top. And a score, we're going 3-2 Chels after. Okay. Very strong lineup. Nice. Um, I'd probably rotate more. I won't go into the whole lineup, but I'm, I'm predicting a 3-1 win for Chelsea. Payback. It's payback time, but I don't, I don't think we'll, we'll do as well as 4-0 against Man United because their defense has generally been good this season. So it's, it's just their attack, which is, you know, really, really blunt. Blunt like a kitchen knife. So, <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's me. 3-1 for Chelsea. What about you, Jimmy? Um, Remember, you, yeah. you've got to be cautiously optimistic or, you know, pessimistic. I have to be cautiously optimistic, don't I? Yeah. Um. Okay. Then let me say I'll go with a draw, but it go. Uh, wait, does it go immediately to extra time or does it? It just goes to penalties now. Penalties, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah we're, we're going to win on age. penalties. We're going to win on penalties. Okay. Yes. No, I I like that. That's brilliant. That's 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 as much cautiously optimistic as you could have been. And as much as you could have been on the fence, and still positive outcome. So yeah, I, I yeah, love that. Uh, Good maneuvering two, of the two, situation. Two two with a four three win in the penalty shootout sounds sounds about right. Oh, brilliant! Go, goes right to the wire. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> right. Also good. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I think we've we've recorded our longest ever episode of We and Cotton Podcast. Wow. And that, that yeah. Thanks a lot, has. Yeah. Man. Thanks. See, I told you I was gonna <laughs> ramble. I told I warned you beforehand. Uh, I mean, yeah, we, we loved it, though. Can't really argue about that. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. And thanks for finally responding to our 101 emails. No, I'm a hassle. <laughs> it's worth it, though. You got something out of it, I think. <laughs> yeah. All's well Cheers. Well. Yeah. Cheers, lads. Thanks for having me. Yep. Brilliant. Um, this is, yeah, this is Ram and Jimmy. Signing off from another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. Bye-bye.